Welcome to the Benefits Executive Roundtable, hosted by Dorothy Koshu, President of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Dorothy is a nationally recognized benefits and compliance consultant and group health broker. Here, you'll listen to industry experts break down the latest news and trends in employee benefits, healthcare reform, regulations and compliance, all designed to empower executive decisions. Hello, everyone. I'm here with representatives of the Heinz Associates. They are utilization review, utilization management company. I'm here with Mike Hansen, regional sales manager, and Anna Hansen, director of sales and client solutions. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Ah, you're welcome. So let's talk utilization review. Um, can you tell us, is there a difference between utilization review and utilization management, uh, the older terms versus the newer terms? There really isn't much of a difference. Um, we also see it called pre-certification. Right. The terms can typically be used interchangeably. Okay. Can you give us a brief overview of the types of UR, UM options that are available to employers and plan sponsors now? Um, most usually the options are somewhat driven by the plan. Uh, uh, for example, Heinz and Associates will customize to the plan docs that the plans have. Most everybody does pre-certification for inpatient hospitalizations. But we do see some clients that will do pre-certification, utilization management services for uh, things like outpatient surgery or uh, home health care and infusions, injectables, chemotherapy. So it really can be driven somewhat by what the plan finds, um, A, their members need more assistance with, and B, maybe they have um, high utilization for, for example, physical therapy. Right. So there's a difference. So if someone can select, okay, I want this and this and this, but not this, you can customize that. That's correct. We right. can customize and that. And you can price it accordingly. So if they're not purchasing everything, they don't have to pay for everything. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the key principles of being self-funded is that you can steer your health plan in a particular direction. Yeah. You can fully customize it. So it's very important to find, if you are managing a self-funded plan, is to find vendors who actually can customize to your pre-cert list. Right. and actually take care of your needs. I, I personally think that's very important because I think a lot of times employer clients are, um, they know they can design their plan, but they don't think through to those levels sometimes unless someone kind of points them in the direction. They know that they can literally write their plan document, start it from a blank piece of paper and write it if they, if they choose to do so. Usually they hire someone like myself or a third-party administrator to do that for them, but I don't think they always think about the fact that they can choose all the ancillary vendors and, and options and so forth. So I'm glad that we're going through this today to just let people now walk them through this. There are options available to them, and, and, and then not all UM companies are the same. We also do, um, we take it a step further in that you don't necessarily have to pre-cert, for example, all outpatient surgeries. We also have a targeted list that gets you to the high dollar, um, often denied type things as well, so that you're helping the member with those high dollar complex type stuff, but at the same time, uh, you're helping the client by ensuring that the member isn't getting, say, cosmetic surgery that would be being denied in the end. Right. Could you give me some examples of those types of situations? Um, for example, nasal surgery. Okay. You can have a member who uh, has a certain nasal surgery that's required because of a medical reason, 
or there again, you could have a member who just wants a nose nicer job. looking nose. <laughs> nose exactly, exactly. Yeah. But if the member goes and they just start to have surgery, and they go and they have that surgery, then when the claim payer denies that claim for that nose job, mm -hmm. um, the member's stuck holding the bill. Right. Where when you do a pre-cert of that and you go through that utilization management process, the member knows up front that, hey, this is not medically necessary. The plan is going to be denying it. So then they know if they still want their nose job done, they better get out their checkbook. Mm -hmm. So they have that information up front. Right. Um, so that's that's one, one way we can do that with looking at targeted procedures. Okay. What are the most expensive procedures that can be managed by a program like yours? Um, you know, there's certainly when you look at inpatient stays, um, premature babies, NICU units, those mm -hmm. babies, they can be very, very costly. So you want to be able to manage that from a, for a variety of reasons. You're looking at medical necessity of staying in there, the level of care, and you're looking at getting that baby home as soon as possible. Um, from an outpatient surgery standpoint, um, spinal surgeries are huge. A lot of them are being done outpatient now, and a lot of them are very expensive. Um, so those are a couple different ones. You're also looking at procedures that could have complications, like bariatric surgeries. Mm -hmm. um, some of those types of things are also ones that you'd want to be looking at for not only the medical necessity, but following that member to make sure that they are home safe and sound and the surgery went well. And I think that's an important point to bring up. Uh, you guys do more than just review things in the beginning. You're actually there for the care of the patient. Right. And, exactly. Uh, to walk them through all the stages. And I think a lot of people um, don't understand quite the levels that you guys can and will go to. Right. And from a broader scope of things, but you should be looking at your UM vendor from a standpoint of what are you doing with the patients. So on top of looking at just strict medical necessity, the idea of a proper UM program and a customized pre-cert list is that you are able to then identify patients to get them into case management and to participate. So you are getting in front of the claim, being proactive right. versus retroactive. Right. That's a good point. And we'll, and we'll talk more about that with case management. And as you're well. also helping this the member make sure that they're using a network provider if they have a network involved. Mm -hmm. If they aren't using a network provider, we go that step and helping them find a network provider if that's what they would like. Yeah, some, some days, you know, prior to a few years back, um, pretty much everyone was in networks. Now some people are moving away from networks and moving into things like reference-based pricing where they may not have a network. So right. something like that, you guys can actually assist with getting the proper exactly. type of care. And if, if they are a client who is using reference-based pricing, we then look at... Um, are they going to a facility that is going to be reference-based pricing friendly okay. so that they, they know it's all going smoothly for them? Um, we also go and look at um, maybe this is a member who could benefit from a second opinion if the plan has a, uh, a benefit or a requirement for a second surgical opinion. So there's those pieces that also play into that utilization management. Um, some members, depending upon what items are on that pre-cert list and what the plan is doing, um, some would find that uh, the management of that pre-cert, for example, if they're pre-certing chemotherapy drugs, mm -hmm. making sure that that is the right drug for that type of cancer. 
So, you know, you don't want members going through chemotherapy multiple times with medications that really were not going to be as effective as, as another medication that would, might have been more appropriate. Good, good, good so point. we're also looking at the levels of care involved and um, where their, their treatment plan might be heading. Okay. Well, we, we uh, mentioned, or actually you guys brought up pre-certifications uh, when we talked about the overview. So let's get into that a little bit. How important is pre-certifications for, for the big ticket items? So things like the hospitalizations, the outpatient surgery, the expensive advanced imaging tests, that sort of thing. You really, the, the part of the pre-certification process, not only does it help alert the member to the fact that, yes, this item is medically necessary, um, and it kind of gives them, uh, usually, typically a letter is sent to the member letting them know that their upcoming stay is approved type thing. But if it were not to be approved, um, there's typically uh, a physician gets involved and does a physician review with that member's physician and a letter goes out with the appeal instructions so that member has that. Doesn't happen often, but if it were to, the member has that information. Um, the TPA also gets that forewarning of um, a large claim is coming, mm -hmm. so they know that the baby's been born and it's sickly, or somebody's got uh, was in a bad accident or something. They have that aware so that they can talk to the HR or talk to the the group and let them know, hey, you do have a big dollar claim coming. Yeah. Um, so that is very and, important and to also, a lot of groups. And also we all know that generally when something like that happens, it's uh, four days before renewal or something. Right, or right. 30 day, within exactly. 30 days of renewal because that's what Murphy's Law says it does. And, and Heinz, yeah. does, Heinz and Associates does quite a lot of reporting, and we yeah. have a lot of reports available. So if they're looking at doing their renewal, um, we have different reports available to show all the people who've been hospitalized or all the people who've had certain surgeries or, you know, whatever it is that they're, they're customized with their pre-cert list for. Okay, well, we'll get back to the renewals in a yeah. moment. Let me just kind of walk through the rest of this stuff. Um, tell me about home health care costs and how they can be managed. Um, home health care costs are... In the grand scheme of things, they're not as expensive as obviously being an inpatient, but we're seeing more and more things done through home health care. For example, infusion treatments, right. where they're they're moving them from um, hospital-based settings to home health care settings. So sometimes it's that the home health care may not be the most expensive part, but it's what's occurring with that home health care. So not only do we want to manage it and watch for medical necessity of it, but we're looking at what's being done with it yeah I know we had a case recently that um, was a pretty expensive home infusion type of situation very very expensive it wasn't one of those inexpensive claims it was very expensive so we were very happy of course to have you guys involved in that uh, let's talk a little bit more about case management some some people that are listening may not really understand the depths that you guys go to um, with case management can you walk us through the kind of training the case managers have and and how it helps both the patient and the health plan and the member itself Okay. Uh, case management is, at least from Heinz and Associates, they're registered nurses that have a great deal of experience and training. Um, Heinz actually assigns members um, to nurses based on their diagnosis. So if you were a member who has cancer, you're going to be assigned to an oncology case management nurse. 
Um, so by doing that matching, the member starts out getting that extra benefit of having another resource who knows their condition, understands what they're going through, and can help them and walk them through that process of what their treatment might in entail, what their recovery might entail, as well as providing reporting back to the claim payer that's going to outline the prognosis, the expenses of that treatment, and any kind of um, roadblocks that the member might be hitting or anything like that. But we find members overall really benefit from case management. They like having that nurse that they have her phone number and her contact information and she's having those phone calls with them regarding um, their recovery or what other steps they may have in their in their recovery process. Um, so having that extra person, because we all know physicians, and when you have that appointment with that doctor, you're lucky you got 10 minutes if to ask lucky. anything. Yeah. And that doctor doesn't seem to ever sit down and really take the time to explain that this, what this surgery is going to do or what this recovery or these infusion treatments or whatever, what you might go through, as well as what your family might go through. Right. And, and so and they, we found that to be very important. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just, we've actually had situations where uh, employees have told us and dependents uh, covered by the plan that have gone through something, some major situation and been in case management, when they've told us that they don't know what they would have done without their case manager, they look upon the case manager as a person who's holding their hand. Basically. Exactly. Who cares? Exactly. Who cares? I had uh, one one uh, client um, who told us that it was like having a family member there almost because they were there to support us in every single way, train the family, the rest of the family on how to help deal with this and how to help deal with us, and and it was very personal. They were absolutely. I mean, they were in tears telling us about their experience, and I think that people need to understand that this is more than just a phone call. This is people actually get exactly the and, and the case managers also look at um, involving the patient's family mm -hmm. for example if if you're looking with um, having a, a case that might involve a child having giving the parent that ability to help take care of the child and help take care of the medical needs of that child training them or walking them through um, how to take care of, how to change the bandage, or how to manage that member's asthma, or whatever the situation might be, also gives that parent that feeling that they now can help. And we all know as, as parents, when you have sick children, you want that feeling that you're helping and you're doing something. Uh, so having that case, case manager there to hold their hand and walk them through. And sometimes the case manager will be looking at, you know, hey, this treatment plan doesn't really mesh with um, typical guidelines that are nationally recognized criteria and how certain situations should be handled. So they may want to get the member to a center of excellence where care is going to be at a certain level. You know, these are places that are renowned for that type of right. diagnosis. So that sometimes is also a beneficial uh, to the patient's recovery is making sure they're they're seeing the right physician for the right type of diagnosis. Right, right. You I, know. Know, I think, it, were you going to say something? Yeah, else? Um, just in, as a generality, case management is a win-win for all parties involved. Yeah. The patients have a, an advocate for them. It helps them become a better consumer of healthcare, more knowledgeable, not only just of which provider they're going to or which procedure they're receiving, but also uh, just the benefits that are available in their plan. 
our case managers will help them connect to, the, let's say, if they have an EAP um, available to them. Um, we help them connect to the EAP also. Right. And so not only are they benefiting from having an advocate for them, but also the plan itself is, is benefiting as our right. case managers are right. very conscientious of plan yeah. dollars. And case management, you know, the, the other side of case management is it is looking at um, the costs of care, but never without compromising the quality of care. So that is a very essential factor in case management is we're always looking at um, the quality of care as well as those costs. Yeah. And it might be that changing a place of service or um, getting them to a center of excellence and getting the surgery done correctly the first time, mm -hmm. things of that nature are yeah. definitely part of what the case managers do. Um, for Heinz and Associates, we also have case management across every specialty area. So we have a, a whole unit that does behavioral health. We have a unit that does all the um, high-risk obstetrics and neonatals, um, dialysis, oncology, transplants. So you're really looking at getting them to a specialist case management nurse. Just as you would if you were the patient and you were seeking out a physician, you find a physician who's for your diagnosis. Right. You know, you would not take your um, uh, kidney issues to just a, a normal doctor. You're going to go see the renal specialist. Right. Our nurses are set up that same way, which helps because they know the drugs, they know their side effects, they know what's what steps this patient is going through, as well as some of the emotional factors that they might be going through. And they're there as an advocate for that patient. And I think the emotional factors are something, again, that we don't sometimes think enough about in advance when we're putting these plans together. So I think it's something that we all have to be um, concerned with up front so we make sure we put all the proper... Um, and again, the patient's doctor only spent 10 minutes with right, them. And right. in some cases, the patient was so shocked with learning the diagnosis that they didn't have a chance to even think of questions. Right, their their mind sort of goes blank at that point, and the rest of the, what the doctor is saying is blah 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 exactly. blah blah for the next three minutes of the of the ten minute conversation. Yeah, so um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot a lot that people can get out of this type of program. That's why I wanted to have you on the on the podcast today because I I don't think people think it's as important as what it really is to a health plan. And if you want to manage costs, this is one way in a self-funded health plan, these are your dollars, and um, this is one of the best ways, I think, that you can do that, especially with ongoing, you know, chronic-type situations. Um, we have limited time here, so let me kind of jump forward a little bit. I, I would love to just talk nothing about the care, but uh, I know that uh, we have to wrap this up soon. Um, tell me a little bit about the types of um, plan document, SPD language, any types of uh, updates that might be required by you guys. Do you have certain language that you require in plan documents, or do you just allow the TPA to put in their standard Typically language. the TPA and brokers consultants will will design the language. Um, sometimes it's in conjunction with the plans attorneys or mm -hmm. something of that sort. Um, Heinz can make some suggestions regarding pre-certs okay. and like I said we do have a targeted pre-cert list that clients can use but they are not in any way forced into using our list. Okay. So we find that sometimes plans um, look to their claim data to also tell them what should be pre-certed. For example, right. if you've got a physician in your area who's um, or a physical therapist who's doing a large amount of physical therapy for way high prices, then putting a pre-cert requirement in for physical therapy 
might be that might be the something way to go. that you mm -hmm. want to do. So sometimes the language that we might um, suggest or what we might suggest as a pre-cert list is also the TPA looking at that claims data claims to data. know if there's an abuse within the system. Yes, absolutely. And what about uh, communication to the employees? It's very, very important, both up front and ongoing. What kind of communication support materials do you provide? Um, well, for Heinz and Associates, typically on the back of the ID card, they will be putting um, our toll-free phone number that members could call to pre-cert. You know, nine times out of ten, it is the facility or physicians calling, but most plans say it's the members requiring. Uh, that responsibility to do it. We also can allow pre-certification online, so we have an uh, online website as well. Um, in addition, Heinz has um, uh, brochures for case management and utilization review uh, uh, that can be provided to the members. Most HR departments will hand those out at enrollment meetings or new hire packets or something. We can also provide it as a PDF for yes. distrib distribution, right. you know, depending upon how best the plan is yeah, to distribute it. A lot of employers now have all their documents up on their, for example, their payroll website or uh, whatever they're using for online enrollment, for example. Um, and although they like the hard copies, they want electronic information. Some are all electronic now. A lot of them are trying to get in that direction because it's just less expensive. But it's nice to know that if they want something in paper, that exactly that you we can have it either it. way. Yeah. Um, additionally, we do occasionally get a group that wants to totally customize just a cute little flyer or sheet, and we are happy to work with them okay. to create that customized piece too. Good to know because some that 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 would be my clients because they they want things it's done their way. Some and, do. Yeah. Some want to, some TPAs we yeah. find want to co-brand things, so yeah. they want their logos to appearing on things. Additionally, members that go through that utilization management pre-cert process, um, they're going to receive a letter from us that's going to say, hey, you know, your item's been approved, or if it hasn't been approved, they'd get a letter or communication on that. Um, there's a lot of telephonic communication that goes on, too. A member going into case management would receive a phone call from that nurse as well. Uh, they also receive a letter in the mail that's going to welcome them to the case management program with their nurse's name and contact information. Okay. So there's a lot of communication going back and forth. Much would be somewhat dependent upon what's going on with the patient. Right, exactly. So tell us about um, how your team works with brokers and administrators, um, the kind of reporting that you can get. We talked a little bit about renewal a few minutes ago. What kind of data can you provide, for example, to a company like mine, which is a broker and consulting firm, when we're getting ready to move into the renewal process? And we know we have two very large ongoing chronic conditions going on, uh, and we need that information. Okay. Um, first of all, let me say um, we take the uh, security of the patient's um, PHI mm -hmm. very seriously. So before data is provided to any broker or consultant, mm -hmm. we do have a PHI release form that gets signed by the client to essentially authorize, for example, you, the broker, as receiving information. Um, but typically... I agree with that, by the way. I'm a privacy and security <laughs> consultant also. I'm, I, yeah, I do HIPAA privacy yeah, so, training I mean, all the time. It should, yeah. go, should be said that we just don't give out right. information right. to anybody. Um, but we, assuming that you have access and authorization for this information. We have an online reporting portal that uh, can run real-time online reports for the 
any of our information. The pre-certification uh, reports can be run according from date ranges or um, retros if somebody had forgot to pre-cert, now they remembered. Um, open case management cases, closed case management cases, transplant cases, you name it, we can run it. Um, a lot of this data also allows drill down access into, for example, all the letters that a member may have received. Mm -hmm. You could see them so that if a member called you up complaining that they didn't understand their letter, you'd actually be able to go in and see what letter they got. I know, I know that my business partner, who is the one that actually works with the excess carriers who get all the quoting and, and renewal quotes and so forth, um, done, he's, he relies on that information because he can use that uh, to negotiate the renewals. You can say, well, but it's not as bad as you think it is because according to this report, you know, the prognosis might be this, but if you look at the treatment plan, the, the notes and so forth, um, right. you can see that it's, you know, uh, not as costly as we and originally thought. This is used a lot with our case management right. Right. Uh, reports. Um, our case management reports are lengthy. They're very detailed. They, <laughs> they, they include the history of what's going on with the patient. Um, as well as the treatment plan, prognosis, anticipated costs, along with the nurse's name and phone number. So um, at renewal, you actually can run renewal reports, or we can run them for you. We have some clients that say, hey, you know, I just don't want to mess with reports. Can you run them for us? And we have others that live and breathe by our systems and, and love our, to run it themselves because they're doing it in the middle of the night because that's when they're <laughs> doing all their renewals. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's either way. But the, the case management reports, stop loss carriers, um, love them because they're detailed. They're going to oh, yeah. help to them, especially if you are a group who's got a few members that have been very costly. Our reports can oftentimes be used to show, hey, this member was costly last, you know, this past right. year, but hey, now he's better and right. he's on the road to recovery. We don't anticipate his needs being as high right. next year as they were this year. Case in point on that sort of thing, yeah, absolutely. We've had situations where my business partner again was able to for example, year one in this chronic situation, um, there was a, an additional laser put on, for example, an individual person's specific stop loss. And so let's say they had to pay the regular, you know, they had to pay 100000 over the, the group's uh, specific because of that large claim. Well, as time went on, um, treatment obviously was working and the person wasn't going to be, um, you know, in that high cost category in the, in the, in the upcoming year. So he was able to take that information and all those treatment notes and everything and get lasers taken off or avoid having lasers put on in the first place, um, which is which is huge to an employer group when they're pending a renewal or something and they've known they've got a claim going on. And and, uh, and, and sadly enough, it's also helped us, and, and I know this sounds might sound bad, but it is a cost item we have to think about. Sometimes, um, you know, someone says that this, this person had a huge claim last year, but it's to the point now where now they've been transferred to hospice care. And the, there's not a whole lot they can do other than making the person comfortable. I know that's an uncomfortable thing for people to talk about, but the bottom line is that means that that claim is almost over one way or the other. Sadly, most of the time it means that it, it's because the person's not well, going to make it. It's but. interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that our case managers can discuss with members is palliative care mm -hmm. and when it's appropriate and what exactly it might mean to that member and, and what steps they're going to be seeing or taking as they go into palliative care. And there Can you are, explain to people what that is in case they don't know what that is? Um, palliative care is essentially similar to hospice, but it's, it's accepting that 
we're not going to continue doing treatment for this condition because it, treatment isn't working and they've tried everything. So it's really, um, it's essentially accepting that, that the end, end of, is coming. End of, end of life care. Right, right. Yeah. It, it's making them comfortable. It's being an right. advocate for their comfort right. and making sure that the family you know, it understands, yes. essentially. It's really being there for them during that process to make sure that pain is managed right. and any care to keep their comfort is there. Okay. Well, thank you very much. This has been great. I know that um, I think everybody listening to this will, will have a better understanding of what the utilization management process is all about, and it's something that every health plan, I think, should take very, very seriously. With today's world with costs going up and up and up and up, if there are things that you can do in your health plan to maintain costs or reduce costs, keep them under control and be able to have good information because it's all about, you know, data analytics these days. It's all about, you know, what are we seeing in the future and, and um, how can we manage that? The CFO wants to know how is it going to affect my bottom line. HR wants to know how is it going to affect my the patient who is my employee. And you should be able patient. to have reports that show summary of activities. You know, for example, how many people were in the hospital, how many, you know, what breakdown of, of what pre-certs were done, how many cases were in case management, how much money was saved. You really need a company who is a best-in-class vendor who can coordinate with all the other parts of your plan, but also be able to report on what they did do. Yeah. Because an employer group needs to know that the money they spent had a purpose. Yeah. yeah. And the great thing about being self-funded is that you can choose best-in-class vendors. Right. And with that being said, you should look at what you're doing with your medical management. Do you have a proper UM program in place, right. a proper case management vendor in place? And from there, can they tell you how many oncology cases were identified and how many of those said members yeah. were actually in case management? Yeah. And, and, and the sad thing is, too, that sometimes uh, companies are with, um, for example, they might have the utilization review, utilization management tied into, for example, their PPO network. Right. And let's face it, sometimes the information that they get um, there when it's bundled like that um, might not be the, the highest level <laughs> of, you know, services for these types of situations. So I like it when you can unbundle and when you can actually pick the vendors and pick the best, as you said, best-in-class um, vendors to make the health plan as, as cost-effective as it can possibly be and still very caring of their employees and their dependents. Well, and thank you very much for inviting us in to talk. Thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have thank a you. good day. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for compliance tips, cost containment ideas, new trends, and decision-making tools. This podcast is produced by Advanced Benefit Consulting, Anaheim, California. All views expressed are those of the host or interviewees and not necessarily those of Advanced Benefit Consulting. Information contained herein should not be construed as legal advice. We always recommend that you consult with your legal counsel as situations do vary. Ms. Koshu can be reached at 714-693-9754, extension 3. Toll free at 866-658-3835 or visit our website at advancedbenefitconsulting.com.